Well, last week we had, um, thank you so much, Honorable Charlie Temple, for giving an amazing message last week. And uh, Faith and uh, David did a great job doing the community talk, and, and it spurred a conversation, uh, at least in my journaling group, uh, this week, and this idea of when Jesus said, unless we eat his body and drink his butt, blood, we don't have fellowship with him. And that sounds like it's a, a creepy Halloween thing, right? <laughs> that he says this. But today we are going to answer that question. What does that mean when he says that we need to actually partake of who Jesus is? For us to really have to know him and have that fellowship with him. We are on this new series starting today in the Gospel of John. And if you have your Bibles, please turn there with me. At Grace Capital Church, it's really simple what we do. We are all getting ready to meet Jesus face to face. Whether it's for his return or whether we, um, he tarries, he waits, and then we um, pass from this life to the next. Um, he's going to ask us some questions. What did you do with your life? What did you do with the things that I've asked of you to do? And we're getting ready to meet him face to face and answer those questions. But part of that, there's three things that we also do here, Grace. That, that is, we, they're, they're the things that he's asked us to care about. Reaching the lost. Caring for the least. Jesus says, as much as you've done for the least of these, you've done it for me. And training the found, go make disciples. And so, thank you for so many of you. You are using your transformation grants and your life groups to reaching, uh, to caring for the least. Uh, those of you who serve in the prison ministry, thank you so much. For those of you who are going to be trained next Saturday into this way of like, how do we share Jesus in a natural way? Let well, the event restore New England. I'm going to be at and next Saturday morning. I hope you're joining me to learn about how do we share our faith? How do we talk about Jesus in a natural way? And then, you know, go make disciples, train the found, and, and each one of us are pursuing Jesus. I, I know you're in his word, and I know that you're connecting in groups, and you're spurring each other on, so I'm grateful for that. But in this book of John, as we're going through this book together, it is, um, it's pretty powerful. So John, the gospel of John was the last written book of all the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we, we don't know exactly when it was written, but we do know that it was uh, probably written anywhere between 70 AD and 110 AD. The reason why some of the scholars would put this book probably earlier than 70 AD is because um, he doesn't talk about uh, the outcome. So all the other three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, have um, the Olivet Discourse, which basically is when Jesus is talking about within three days, this temple will be destroyed. And really what he's talking about was his body. But then he was also talking about this temple that would be um, destroyed. And, and the Olivet Discourse um, isn't mentioned in the Gospel of uh, John. So some would say that John probably would have mentioned that if that actually took place. Um, and um, so we don't really know when it was. We do know it was the last book. Probably not super important that you know the chrono chronology of that, but what is important is knowing that it's, it's different in this way. So the first four um, Gospels are called the Synoptic Gospels, which really are 
summarizing the life and activity of Jesus. And then John himself begins to unpack things in a little bit different and deeper way, where the other three Gospels are kind of sharing the same stories. So who is this John? Um, John only says he's the one, the writer is the one who um, wrote this, is, is his, the beloved disciple, and we do know that John was known as the beloved disciple. And he's the son of Zebedee, and, and that way we would put him as one of the disciples who was on the earth with John, and then he wrote this book. John also wrote First and Second John in Book of Revelation. So there's a little history lesson on this, but let's dive right into John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning, the word, in the beginning was the word. Can you say Word. Word. <laughs> I feel like I'm just, you know, word. I don't know. That sounded weird to me. Word. All right. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things that were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Right here, John begins this letter, or this writing, in such a powerful way of beginning to understand who is this Jesus. He wasn't just a good teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. Right from the beginning, and maybe some time had gotten on, so maybe he's trying to correct some thinking of, of the early church. And so out of the gate, he's saying, God, Jesus preexisted with God at the very beginning of time, the very beginning at creation. We also know that, so he's beginning to unpack this idea of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He was with God. So the second part of the Trinity. And then interestingly, he was a part of creation that nothing was created except through Jesus. So we begin to see Jesus as the, as the creator. Existed with God at the beginning of time. He's the word. In other words, he is, well, we'll find out what he is when he says he's the word. There was a man sent from God, verse 5, whose name was John. He's talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness to bear witness to the light that all men believed through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. So here now he's saying, okay, remember John the Baptist? He came proclaiming who Jesus was. John the Baptist actually, isn't this amazing, that he got to baptize Jesus, the son of, son of God. Pretty incredible. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Remember he said they came to his own, his own didn't know him. He came to the Jews um, first, and the Jews rejected him, crucified him actually. He came into the world, the world rejected him. He came to his own, those would be the Jews, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. 
That's you and I, by the way, for those of you who have already received Jesus. If you're here and you don't know Jesus yet, I'm going to give you an opportunity to get to know him at the end of the service. But, but what he's saying is that we, as through Jesus Christ, when we receive him, we become sons and daughters of God. Is that pretty amazing? Amazing. That we're just not these people needing to be saved. Oh, the wretch we are. But he calls us sons and daughters, which means everything that is in heaven is also stored up for us as heirs of God. And here we go. Okay, verse 12. But all who do not receive him who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So here he's saying, this is called, when, we're, when the scripture says we're born again, or we have a second birth, this is what he's talking about. Our spiritual birth to become sons and daughters of God is we receive Jesus in your life. Now that moment, you, your spirit becomes born, and in essence, your eternal being gets regenerated to become sons and daughters of God. Okay, here we go. And the word became flesh. Can you say word again? Word. <laughs> and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh. Why, the, why this is really important to understand, because when, when he says later in John chapter 6 that he's quoting Jesus, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not have fellowship with me. You will not have this understanding with me. And here he says from the very beginning of time, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, we do know that the word today is also the scripture, the word of God, that it is the bread of life, that it is the lamp unto our feet, right? It's interesting that he calls it the bread of life, that he's now, now saying that in, when we take communion, and when he was the very first communion, when he was with his disciples, he, he took bread and he... And he led his disciples to say, do this in remembrance. And then he's saying, um, we need to consume him. Is it really what he's talking about here is we need to consume the word that became flesh. That in many ways, that the, the consuming of him is his very words that are here spoken to us. Now, I, uh, yes, the Bible was written by many authors, but these authors were inspired by the Holy Spirit to give us his holy word, inspired by God, that, that as we consume his word, it increases our relationship and fellowship with Jesus. And if you could just tweak that mic a little bit, I'm getting a little bit of a high pitch on that. That'd be fantastic. Thank you so much. And so here we go. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as any, as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. John bore, bore witness about him and cried out. This is John the Baptist. This was 
he who, whom he, I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me, going back to he preexisted in time. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, only the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Now, this is the interesting, other interesting part of this. He's saying, John himself is saying that Jesus is God. And this is a very profound statement for anybody who, who would begin to understand, especially the Jews, it almost seemed blasphemous. Well, when Jesus says, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And the Jews really didn't like that because they felt like that was blasphemy. But it, it truly was. Jesus is unique from God, but he is God. In other words, the Trinity, right? It's such a hard concept, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And now we're saying, hey, Jesus dwells inside of us, right? When we, when we ask Jesus into our life, we ask him into our heart. Well, it's actually not him. It's the Holy Spirit, the other part of the Trinity that resides inside of us. But the interesting thing, he's, he's talking about now Moses who gave the law. So remember when Moses went on the mountaintop and he got the Ten Commandments, the law, and the law was good. I think sometimes we think that, that thankfully Jesus showed up on, on the scene because he, he, the law no longer exists. We, have, we live under grace. Well, actually, he came to fulfill the law, not to abolish the law. Meaning that the law is still good and right, but the law is imperfect because the law can only tell you when you're doing something wrong. In many ways, it's just like um, a signpost to tell you to stop. And then when we don't stop, we pay the consequences for that, right? And so, so in many ways, the law is only there to tell us right and wrong. But Jesus came to fulfill the law by, what does he say? He says, by grace, by truth and grace. And what does that mean? That means that, that we are not judged by the law any longer. The law is still important, but we're not judged by the law. We're judged through Jesus Christ, who is full of truth and grace. Meaning that when we mess up and then when we sin, we come to Jesus and Jesus takes that sin and puts it back on the cross and sets us free from the guilt and shame from that, um, from that sinful activity. And then there's repentance on that that says we turn the opposite way and, and we want to pursue Jesus and we want to follow him. But the law is insufficient, and this is what John is making the point and saying, in the beginning was the word and the word was God, so great that you understand who God is, but you've you got to connect it to Jesus because Jesus is the fulfillment of all the prophets that have spoken, and the law is good but insufficient, and now Jesus, who makes you sons and daughters of God, also gives you truth and grace, which allows you to overcome the things of this world and live with greater victory and greater freedom. All right. Verse 19, and this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ, talking about John the Baptist again. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, no, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered them, no. So they said to him, who are you? We need to give an answer to whom I... Uh, to those whom sent us. 
what do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as a prophet Isaiah said. Again, John is reaffirming that John the Baptist was not the Christ, and he, but he was the one who pointed the way to validate that he is, Jesus is, who everybody was waiting in anticipation for. Now they had been sent out from the Pharisees. They asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands the one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the straps of uh, whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across from the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Again, just reestablishing that Jesus is the authority, not John. Because some people would have disciples of John the Baptist, and, and John, the apostle John, is saying, okay, it's great to, that you're following who John the Baptist was, but John the Baptist was just one pointing to Jesus. And I think many times for us, this is our job. Our, our only job is to point people to Jesus. I, I think some people would say, hey, uh, Mark, great job speaking or, or whatever, or, or we really appreciate your words. I'm, I'm grateful for the encouragement. Thank you so much. I, I love when you encourage me. Who doesn't like encouragement? But I do realize that my job is only to point you to Jesus, to point you to his word, to point you to who he is. And you don't need more of my creative um, good words. You need the word of God and you need inspired by the Holy Spirit that becomes life and light for you. If you're thinking about the big idea today, let me tell you what the big idea is. His word works wonders as you eat it. His word works wonders as you eat it. I'm going to unpack that a little bit further in a few minutes, but his word... In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And who is the word? The word is, he was a part of creation, so therefore the word is creative. It was everlasting, which means the word is something that you can build your life on, because in this, in this shifting sand of a world that we live in, what is true and what is right? His word. From the beginning of time. Where's the place that you can belong and you can become part of this family? It's only through Jesus Christ and his word that tells us how it's, it's by faith that we come to Christ, not by our works. And that is through his word that brings light and life. All right. Verse 29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know, but for this purpose, I, became, I came baptizing with water that he might be received in Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. I myself, talking about John the Baptist, did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the spirit descend and remain, this is he whom baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I've seen and have borne witness that this is the son of God. 
So here we are. This is actually different in these gospels. They really want, John really wants to emphasize that not only was he the word who preexisted, that he's the way of salvation. The lamb of God, by the way, is so important. And that reference talks uh, to us about um, realizing that when a lamb's blood was shed over the Passover, remember when the um, Israelites were, were needing to leave and, uh, Pharaoh over the um, slavery that they had over in the Egypt. They were said, put lamb's blood over your doors. And the angel of death would pass over those homes that had the lamb's blood. And it was that sacrifice of that pure lamb and uh, the sacrificial system also required um, animal sacrifices. And now here, John the Baptist is identifying him not only as he the son of God, but he's the lamb of God, which means he takes care of the final sacrifice for all humanity. And that's so encouraging for us. And I think what John, again, is trying to establish is he's trying to correct some thinking of some people that where the other gospels are talking about him, he's, he's the miracle worker, right? Healings and, and the miracles they took place. And yes, he died on the cross. And yes, he's the savior. But here he's now talking about he is the son of God that preexisted with God from the very beginning of time. But not only is he the son of God, he's the lamb of God which takes care of all of your sins. All right, we're bringing her home here. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus and he walked by and he said, behold, the lamb of God. And he says it again. The two disciples heard him say that and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? Jesus said, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. Um, and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon. He said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So here we have lamb of God. You have son of God. And then they have determined that he is the Messiah, the awaited one. And that he is now the savior, which he is the Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus took him and said, you're Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas. Cephas is actually Peter. Peter wrote first and second Peter. We did that series. So if you're interested in digging into that book, just go back and look at our previous messages um, and you'll see um, the message series on Peter. So then here, here Jesus goes on and he calls the rest of the disciples. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to them, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethesda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to them, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, and he said to him, behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. He's reading his heart. He's speaking to him. Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're, you're the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree and you believed, will you, you will see greater things than this. And he said to him, truly, I say to you, you'll see heaven opened and the angel of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, here's the other interesting name. He calls himself, Jesus calls himself son of man. So he's, he's not only God from the beginning, part of the Trinity, Jesus, who is the word and the word was with God. The word became flesh. Not only is he the lamb of God, he's the son of God, but then he's also calls himself the son of man, which means he understands in his humanity. Jesus walked the earth in his humanity but was without sin. That's what made him a perfect sacrifice. So John trying to understand who he is. Now I'm going to come, I'm going to boil this down to what I feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to us in applying John chapter one to us. In the beginning was the word. The word brings light and life to us, it says, and the word is creative. And I would say, church, I, I earnestly desire for you to begin getting into God's word and let it be light and life for you. He says that when we consume it, when he says, eat my body, I truly believe he's saying consume his word. I'm saying, I'm thinking he's saying when he's, it's the bread of life, that when you eat this, it nourishes who you are. I was talking to Pastor Richie this week, and we were talking about a lot of different scriptures, and, and uh, it is so fun to begin to see how God's unfolding things, and we're talking about it. I said, it's kind of like me walking down. Uh, this is how I feel when I read the scripture these days. It's like we're walking down a path in, in a garden, and as I'm walking, there's like bursts of blooms of flowers just opening up and popping up and, and it was just like, oh, this is amazing. Whoa, that's in there. Oh, oh my word, that's gorgeous. That's beautiful. I just, as I read it, it comes alive that way. That hasn't always been the case for me, but it's the season that I do believe that we're in, that God is wanting to speak to us through his word. There's so much chaos and so much noise and there's so much out in the world that we can be listening to that we need something that's going to ground us. We need something that's going to bring true life to us. And that is the word of God. See, his word works wonders as you eat it. And the other interesting thing, if, if Jesus is the word and the word became flesh. And if Jesus as the creator is by his word, things were created that I do believe that as you read this word, it has power and life to transform who you are. His power in life to transform your circumstance. And, and it only happens though, as we allow his word and we're consuming it and eating his word, that it has the power to bring life. The Bible also says that, that hide these things in your heart, right? Hide the scripture in your heart. Then the due time, when it comes, bursts forth. It, it reminds us things of who God is, of what his promises are. And we need that so much today. We need him to speak to us. We need life for us. We need light. And he says he is the light of the world. And when we consume him, the word, we find that we hide his light and life inside of us. And then it 
also bursts forth and shines the light around us so other people can see who he is. See, his word works wonders as you eat it. My question is, are you eating his word? Are you in his word on a regular basis? And not because you're saying, hey, I need to do my devotions today. Hey, I need to do my Bible reading and check a box. But let it be like a garden that you're walking through. It's like, oh, my word, you're amazing, God. Look at how, what you're saying to us. The underground church in China began to understand the word of God, the Bible, the scriptures were not easily accessible for them that they would go through and start ripping out pages. I didn't rip my Bible, don't worry. But they would, they would rip out pages of the Bible and distribute it amongst them and they would memorize it. And then they would pass it on to somebody else and they would get a new page and memorize it. They knew that the word of God was life to them. It was the very sustenance that they needed to get through their persecution and their difficulty. You know, as we sang, there's honey in the rock. Part of the sweetness of going through the rock is hiding yourself in the cleft of the rock, which is where God's word is found. In that quiet and secret place where you're saying, God, I just need you to speak to me. I need you to, to give me a word of encouragement. I need your presence. I need something from you, God. And you consume, you eat his word, and then it becomes sustenance and life and it becomes life giving for you when I first um, I don't know if it was my salvation because I grew up in the church and I believed in Jesus but when I was early 20s I, I guess it was my infilling of the Holy Spirit which again I didn't really know what that act that was at the moment but I remember the day after that that I could not get out of the word of God I carried it with me wherever I went. So much so, this is the ridiculous, I've said it many times, but the ridiculousness of it is whenever I'd stop at a red light, I had, I had probably 30 seconds or 15 seconds to be in God's word. And so I'd pull out my Bible and I'd get a few honks behind me, but I'd be in here. It's like, oh, I could get more of this. I, I wonder why though, why that was just all of a sudden birthed in me, this desire to be in God's word. Because I read it before and it just seemed like a bunch of words. It just seemed like a bunch of stories, but then there's something about when the Spirit of God highlights this saying that there's so much life in here for you, that the Word of God who became flesh, who walked amongst us, the creative God, allows His Word to read us as we read His Word, that His Word speaks to us as we speak to God through His Word that it has the power to transform us. I truly believe that, that if you want to see God move in your life, be in God's word. So today, my challenge for you is eat the word of God. Eat the bread of life. Eat Jesus, who is the word. Read your Bibles. If it becomes hard for you, and if it feels like it's stale, if you're just going to the routine, start with a prayer. Say, Jesus, this is life. This is creativity. Speak to me. 
start by that prayer. Just don't go start reading through it and say, speak to me. And, and if you want a journal, by the way, we've got complimentary journals out there to help you journal through the SOAP method, scripture observation, application prayer. We've got journaling groups that meet. Um, I'd love for you to join me 6.30 a.m. at Starbucks in Concord. Um, I know it's a lot of early for some of you people, but we've got a little crew there. I tell you, go to Pastor Richie's journaling group, but it's full. Right, Pastor Richie? He says there's always room for more. There's always room for more. There's other journaling groups that go on. So if you want to be in God's word that way, if you want to say, hey, you know what? I just, I just, well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to try to convince you. But I feel in this moment, that this scripture it's going to be what is going to hold you steady in the times ahead. Amen. That when the seas are choppy and the storms swirl, it's going to be so easy to lose your bearing that you have to come back to the word of God to find the solid rock on which you are to stand. Thank you so much for watching us online. We're so glad that you joined us. We trust that Jesus has spoken to your heart and you've been challenged by his word. If you'd like to know more information about Grace Capital Church, please visit us at gccnh.com. We'll see you next time. <music>